0: I am your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Dr. Brent Goldman, and here's a bit about Dr. Brent, but he also prefers, if he, you know, to be called Brent, he doesn't really care, but I definitely want to put some respect on his name. He's a former public school educator, has always been passionate about teaching and learning. However, as a young teacher, he quickly recognized that the traditional model of education was and still is antiquated, and he knew there had to be a better way to help students learn. So 25 years ago, Dr. Goldman left public education to co-launch and lead pioneering private schools, including the Sagemont School and Weston Smart Horizons Career Online Education, and now Exceed, Preparatory Academy, and Exceed Anywhere. As a recognized leader in innovative education, he has been profiled in the Florida Trend 500, Thrive Global and Authority Magazine for his commitment and dedication to providing a personalized and flexible learning environment for Exceed students focused on subject mastery, not seat time or testing standards. Oh, wow, that is so important. Both Exceed Preparatory Academy and Exceed Anywhere were also recently recognized nationally on NBC News for its academic team's unique hybrid collaboration across all five schools. And without further ado, please welcome Dr. Brent Goldman to GEMS Podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Genesis. I'm honored to be here with you today.
0: My pleasure, and so today we're gonna talk about the future of learning. Since you obviously pivoted in your career and started something that you are so passionate about, So let's talk about your beginning journey in education and how it has morphed into the man you are today and where you are, because sometimes people see the latter part, but they never see the beginning or the start ugly moments that helped you on your transition and transformation.
1: Sure. I think I have an interesting story. I my first year teaching uh, was in the Broward County Public Schools in South Florida. I was a fifth grade dropout prevention teacher. So labels were, were already being put on 10-year-olds that they were potential dropouts. And I got the job, I think, because nobody else wanted it. Uh, you know, who else would want to work with potential dropouts? But I loved it, and I saw it as a way to to impact Children, but again, I was very concerned about uh, you know labeling children at such a young age um, and then I uh, moved on I taught uh, uh, social studies in a large public high school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for five years and uh, you know that's where I started really having doubts on our our current educational system um, where uh, kids that were struggling, didn't get the help that they needed, kids that were were achieving, didn't have the opportunity to move at their own pace. Um, and the uh, kids in the middle were that weren't bothering anybody, uh, were kind of it was just fine for them to continue being CB students as long as they didn't get into trouble. Um so I found the entire system, kind of disheartening uh, and spent, you know, much of the rest of my career uh, making some uh, disruptive changes that I felt were, were necessary that would benefit all children. So, you know, my start surely impacted where I am today, which is, uh, uh, you know, where I run a, a network of seven Uh, Hybrid private schools where uh, kids create their own schedules based on their own uh, learning needs or special talents. That's much different than uh, my experiences when I started uh, working as a teacher in 1990 uh, or when I went to school myself. Uh, So, uh, you know, education is changing, and I think the pandemic kind of exasperated this change that that's coming uh now
0: wow that was definitely an eye opener but one thing that just really stood out is as you mentioned students in fifth grade were being labeled as dropouts, where do they even get the metrics for that? And how do you know that a student is going to drop out as young as someone being in the fifth grade? Like, was it based on a certain demographics or um, performance scores or how do you even come up with something like that? That's a
1: that's a great question. I really don't know the the exact answer to that because it was never explained to me. But I I have a feeling it was just because they were troublemakers. You know that the kids were were getting in trouble at uh, you know at an early age, and they slapped a label on them and pulled them out of the traditional classroom so they wouldn't cause uh, you know they wouldn't disrupt the kids that. Uh, we're doing a little bit better in school, yeah. But I don't know exactly at the time what metrics the district was was using. But it, you know, if you think about it now, thirty years later, uh, it, you know, it's it's quite disturbing.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, I have some family members that are in the educational sector. And sometimes I feel like they're being forced to teach enough just so they could pass those standardized tests. But that's just from me on on the outside looking in, since I know they um, get certain awards and the school gets funding whenever they have high test scores. Did you ever see that as a factor in your career early on? And how do you work around that? Because you want to set the kids up for success. You don't want to just teach them enough so they can pass some standardized tests so you can get government funding or whatever the case may be.
1: I I am not a big believer in in high states testing. Um, And the the nice thing about operating private schools in the state of Florida is we didn't have to uh, we didn't, our our children didn't have to take them, Um, you know, which was, uh, which was fantastic. And I think one of the many reasons why private schools in the state of Florida do flourish uh, and why teachers like coming to teach in private schools in Florida is they don't have to deal with the the high states testing. Uh, So, you know, for me, uh, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why kids, don't do well on these testings and much of it comes down to their personal environment. You know, what's, what's their house, what's their house like? Yeah. Are there, you know, are there books being read? Are their parents at home or are they working? Uh, do they have access to uh, tutoring uh, uh, you know, off hours tutoring or SAT prep? Uh, You know, there's there's all different types of ways to gain these high stakes testing that a lot of kids don't have uh, the ability to because their parents either don't have the time or the money uh, to to spend on. them. Uh, And, you know, so I think there's a reason why, at least in my community here and the in the areas that are high socioeconomic demographics, those schools are a schools and do better. Uh, on the high states testing than uh, the schools from other, from, you know, more urban areas. And, uh, you know, I think that the SAT, uh, the college entrance exams now, uh, you know, are kind of dying of very quick death, which is, which I think is great because it gives kids an opportunity to, uh, to demonstrate the colleges uh, that they worked really hard in school and they got really good grades and they took rigorous curriculum. They should not also have to demonstrate that on a test that can be gained very easily with, uh, you know, high-priced tutors.
0: Mm. So, so true, because there are... Um not that I have grew up in an urban area, but there are a lot of students that I have met via some of the volunteerism that I do, whether it's junior achievement or United Way that come out of urban areas and do very well. But then whenever you look at the comparison between a high socioeconomic area versus an urban area, certain um, Abilities aren't there education wise because of funding and where they are geographic uh, geographically located, which I feel is just not not fair, but you know you can't always change everything, but you can start by having these different private schools where someone is afforded a different opportunity to really excel and flourish. So when you think about XSEED, what are your core values and mission for the seven private schools that you have?
1: Our students come to us really for for two different reasons. Uh, One is personalization and the other is flexibility. Uh, So the way we deliver our curriculum, it it really enables our students to work one-on-one with their teachers and to develop their own Uh, academic pace based on on their abilities so we could have uh, our schools are small by design uh, 75 to 100 kids so we could have uh, you know nine or ten ninth graders that are in algebra one uh, all working on different chapters at the same time because you have a really bright kid that is uh, that is able to accelerate and you have a child that maybe needs a little bit of extra help that can get extra help during the day. So, in a traditional school where there's bells and there's, you know, six or seven 50 minute classes, when that bell rings and the kids exit the, the classroom, they don't have any accessibility to the teacher uh, until, you know, 24 hours until the next day when they, when they enter that classroom. In our school, you can spend, you can decide, you have the academic freedom and flexibility to hey, I'm struggling in math. Maybe today I spend two or three hours on math, specifically with the math teacher. And I can work independently on the social studies in English because that's my strength. Uh, so the, the small school, the personalization, uh, the ability to work one-on-one with teachers is a, is a huge part of, of our school. And the, the flexibility is, is, you know, really one of our, our secret sauces is, is that we're able to uh, develop your own individual academic schedule based on your needs. So, for example, if you have ADHD and you can't focus on six classes at one time, but maybe you can focus on two classes at one time. So you finish those two classes and then you start two more and then you start two more. And we're year-round, so you can go through summer school. So you're still taking the six credits, but maybe not all at one time. So the child with ADHD that's taking six classes at one time with 30, 35 kids in a class, you know, might become a C student just because of the, the way the school is set up. But with us in a smaller setting, where we can be flexible with how we schedule you, You could be a B or an A student just on, uh, you know, on those variables. Um, If you're a competitive athlete that practices a couple of times a day, you can come into us in between practices, say from 10 to 2, and maybe not come to school on Friday because you're traveling to a tournament. Uh, You know, at a traditional K-12 school, public, private, charter, they're not designed for this type of of flexibility so those are the two major reasons why families come to us and you know so you know when the pandemic hit all of a sudden everybody became hybrid in a way you know and families you know uh, people start working from home and you could move anywhere you wanted to in the country because your job was now remote and people really started understanding this, but they also started seeing uh, that their kids' schools didn't handle this remote learning very well. It's because that's not how they're set up. Um, so, uh, you know, to answer your question, the personalization of flexibility is is what makes us unique. And it's really something that, you know, it's it's not something that just us can do. Anybody can can establish schools like this if they desire.
0: So um, that brings me to the next question, Brent. Um, Since you have the personalization, the flexibility, and just really tapping it Tapping into that student's um, inner creativity and their strengths, and allowing them to drive their educational goals and et cetera, that also shows that you know they can you know focus on other things. So whenever you think about creativity and extracurricular activities, do y'all offer any at your school, such as um, sports or anything along those lines?
1: So our model. Uh, we give part of the flexibility is we give you time to do things to, to discover your passions outside of school, outside of our entire environment. So whether it's interning at a, at a company, whether it's volunteering at a church or synagogue, uh, whether it's playing for an elite uh, club volleyball program or uh, a, a tennis or golf Uh, program or a club baseball Uh, our kids don't play for us but they have more time to uh, to really go after and uh, 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 accentuate their special talents that they might have we do offer some of the the national clubs like student council and national honor society and we have book clubs and chess clubs those types of things because socialization is very important. Uh, And you mentioned the creativity uh, piece of it, but our our vision and mission really is school shouldn't get in the way of what you really want to accomplish with your life. Now, traditional schools have been set up, you know, kind of like prisons. You know, they're seven hours a day, there's bells ringing. You're told when to eat lunch. You're told when to go to the bathroom. Uh, you're told when to come and when to leave. Uh, and, and schools are set up this way because parents work. But they're really set up this way because, uh, you know, going back at the, you know, the turn of the century, you know, we were an agrarian society, a farming society. And, you know, much has changed in our world. We're, you know, we're an on-demand world. Kids are growing up in an on-demand world with Uber and Amazon Prime and Netflix and Grubhub. Uh, Yes, school is not on-demand. You know, school is very much like it was when I went to school in the 80s or my parents went to school in the 60s or my grandparents went to school in the 40s. You know, other than maybe some computers and some Internet access, School is exactly the same. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do is match school up with how these kids are growing up, um, where if, if you're, a, uh, uh, you're a morning person, you can come to school, uh, you know, from 730 to noon and then leave. If you like to sleep, you can come in from 11 until four and then leave. Um, if your parents don't want to deal with rush hour traffic, you can come in from, from 10 until, uh, two, um, this is a flexible world that we're growing up in, but schools are, you know, aren't designed like that or Genesis, gosh, forbid you want to go on on vacation with your family. Say you're, I don't know, you're from Brazil and you want to go to carnival in, in February for 10 days. Well, the traditional schools aren't designed that way. You can't just take off and miss 10 days of school unless it's during their scheduled break. But with us, because we deliver our curriculum with online curriculum, you can access our, our courses 24 seven, 365 with internet access. And while you're gone, you can schedule a Zoom with a teacher if you need help. And it's, uh, it, it just makes too much sense uh, yet, we're still doing schooling the same way our grandparents went to school and our, our great grandparents went to school, except there's laptops and whiteboards rather than chalkboards and typewriters. And that's really the biggest change.
0: Man, where was exceed when I was in school? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, that's what my kids say. Too. So it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's our model is ki- kids get our model right away because this is the world they're growing up in. Adults, you know, you know 35 and above, if you, you describe this to them over the telephone, they don't really get it. When, when they come in, they understand it, and they see it, they get it. Uh, you know, and I think it's just becoming much more uh, ubiquitous, and the pandemic accelerated all this, because people now understand hybrid a lot better than they did two years ago.
0: And since you do have that hybrid um, format, Brent, are there students that are outside of Florida that um, come to your seven schools?
1: Yeah so one of our seven schools is a strictly virtual school. So uh, you know with that we have kids from around the world that attend exceed. Uh, but you know most of our you know where we where we are traditional is in our brick and mortar schools the kids live within a 15 and 20 mile radius of the schools but they have the flexibility uh you know if you're going to travel uh or you want to go on a business trip with dad uh that you don't have to worry about what the school is going to say we're going to say you know go for it as long as you're on pace with your classwork or you bring your laptop with you and you do your work
0: and i think that is Disrupting um, education and really promoting the future of learning, just to really give parents as well as students that flexibility. And that's one thing that I'm going to think about when you know my kids start to get older, because I want to have that flexibility, especially with me being first generation American. My dad was South American. He passed in 2020, and my mom is Caribbean. So there are certain times where you. You want to travel because the tickets are cheaper versus going during peak season. And to have this model, it's conducive for the parents and it's conducive for the kids.
1: Uh, You know, I think we we had a dad who uh, was a busy executive and he said, you know, what I like about Exceed is, is I can drive my kid to school when I'm, you know, whenever I'm ready to go to work and I don't have to worry about them being late. Uh, And if I'm going on a quick business trip, I can take them with me. Uh, And these were times that I get to spend with my kids that I never had before. So it gives the parents flexibility as well, for sure.
0: Yeah, and as we begin to wind down, Brent, what are some tips that you would like to leave the listeners and viewers with so they could be disruptive in the educational field, but also promote the future of learning? Because things are changing. We have robots now, RPA, robotic processing automation. We have AI. There's crypto. There's Bitcoin, blockchain. So many things are advancing. And I feel like in public education, they don't really learn that much about certain things in in STEM or other areas and we, or even financial literacy, we need to set up our, our students for success now rather than later.
1: I agree with you a thousand percent as a parent of two young adults, the financial literacy piece is something that, that should be required in all schools. Uh, uh, that, that, is, that is for sure. As far as tips for parents, uh, you know, I think that there's, you know, depending on where you live, uh, you know, the, the school choice world is, is taking off and there's, you know, there are a lot more options for uh, parents other than just your home school around the, the, the corner from where you live, um, you know, and on, the, on, the, on the public level. Um, there's also all kinds of online options, uh, both public, private, and charter, where, you know, kids can work from wherever, uh, whether that's at, at home uh, or while you're, while you're traveling. Uh, you know, I live in the state of Florida where uh, there's Florida Virtual School, which is one of the pioneers in uh, K-12 virtual schools. Um, and obviously, during the pandemic, their, uh, you know, their uh, number of students exploded. Uh, there's also private virtual options as well. Um, and in the, in the private school space, um, the old traditional schools now have competition like, like schools like ours with Exceed. Um uh, There's other models like uh, Fusion Academies. Uh, uh, that are in this micro school genre uh, where they, you know, schools that are designed for 75 to uh, 100 kids that give uh, uh, students more personalization of flexibility, like I mentioned, uh, with Exceed, So, you know, my biggest advice for parents is to, you know, just do some research uh, uh, in the areas where you live and see what options, what choices are there uh, you know specifically for your children uh, the the charter school world, uh, you know there's some very innovative charter schools, again, both uh, virtual and brick and mortar uh, that uh, you know that might be very good options for your children that are tuition free um, so there there are you know unlike when I was growing up where you had your your home public school or a very expensive traditional private school, parents today have a lot more choices uh, for their children. Uh, During the pandemic, uh, you know, these little learning pods also kind of became the rage. And there are some entrepreneurs that took this to another level uh, as well in developing uh, micro schools. So, you know, it takes a little bit of research on your end as as parents, but I think we have a lot more choices now. the state of Florida where I live uh, has a very vibrant uh, school voucher program that enables parents to use uh, state money to, uh, uh, for tuition for private schools. Uh, you know, So I, I would recommend parents also to look into uh, their respective states to see if there's similar laws like we have here or similar programs like we have here uh, in, the state of, uh, in the state of Florida with, with vouchers.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And thank you for sharing all of that um, knowledge and wisdom there, Brian. And for anyone who's interested in connecting with you, how can they connect with you, learn more about Exceed?
1: Uh, our, our website is www.exceedprep.org. So that's uh, our, our website for our schools. I am very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search me out on, on LinkedIn. And that's the you know we uh, we post a lot of blogs both about our schools and about topics in education that we believe are are relevant to uh, the current time. So those are probably the two best ways. I don't think anybody is interested in my personal Facebook or Instagram because that'll bore them to death. But uh, the our our school website and our and my personal LinkedIn, I think. Uh, is the is the most relevant as far as connecting with with me or with our schools.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And would you like to leave the listeners and viewers with a CTA call to action?
1: Yeah, my you know, I think my call to action for the the listeners is uh, there are other options for your children other than the traditional methods that we had growing up, and uh, you know, get on Google and research them, and then go see them for yourselves. Uh, you know, there's, uh, schools have, have gotten much better connecting with uh, with families uh, since the pandemic uh, started because uh, of technologies like this, like Zoom, Microsoft Teams. Uh, you know, it's much easier to learn more about uh, other school options than, uh, you know, than you had to wait in the mail to get a paper brochure. You know, it's much better today. And I think that was a good thing that came out of the pandemic.
0: And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and you just heard Dr. Brent Goldman with Exceed. All of his contact information will be in the show notes, so there's no excuse for you not to connect with him. Make sure you invest in your future when it comes to learning, because if you're not learning, then you're not growing. And don't tell me the sky's the limit when there are footprints on the moon. And that quote was said by Paul Brandt. Until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms and follow us on YouTube at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kent for video content. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on Gems podcast